Hello and welcome to Poetry Nonstop. I'm Patrick Widdis with another poet to inspire your writing. Make sure you have a pen and paper ready to try today's exercise, which is to write a children's poem. And here's one from today's guest, Ted Sherman. The Dwarf. He shuffles round the darkened bend, lantern held up high. He lugs a bag of tools and ropes with a little grunt and sigh. At first glance, you might just think that this is but a child. He is, in fact, a dungeon dwarf with a beard so red and wild. His name is Gruff, he's 94, and caretaking is his game. He fixes all the dungeon traps so they can kill and maim. He puts the poison on the darts that shoot out of the wall. He sharpens spikes within the pit and prepares the rolling ball. Swirling clouds of choking gas that seep into the room come from vats that Gruff maintains. He's serious about your doom. The blocks that fall down from above are hoisted up by Gruff. He shines the blades, he coils the springs, but he's nearly had enough. Years and years of trap repair down here in the dark has caused a job that Gruff once loved to really lose its spark. All Gruff does is work and work and work and work and work and work and work. His mood's begun to crack. He needs to find that special thing to bring his passion back. A hobby so he'll learn new skills, a group to share a goal, a pet with whom he can connect to fill this empty hole. Gruff decides that now's the time to follow his boyhood dream. He goes and joins the Greenback Club, a dragon polo team. Connecting with a big green beast has really done the trick. His teammates bring him so much joy, he's fitted in real quick. With him on board, the Greenback Club have won the Dungeon Cup. With all this fun outside of work, Gruff has cheered right up. Back in work, he's happier than he has been for a while. He still takes pride in killing things, but now it's with a smile. That was The Dwarf by Bristol-based poet Ted Sherman from Dungeon Days, a collection for 8 to 12-year-olds. It reveals the hidden lives of the mythical creatures living in a typical Dungeon and Dragons dungeon, in poems which are lively, funny and often more than a little grotesque. We'll be hearing more poems later on. But where did the idea for that one come from? The inspiration of this was uh, was actually watching um, Indiana Jones and the uh, the scene where the big ball comes rolling down after Indiana. And it, it triggered a question in my mind of who is it that resets all these traps? You know, we watch these films with, with all these booby traps going off, you know, like in Goonies where you get all the big stones falling down from above and poison darts and stuff. But there must be somebody at some point who goes back and has the uh, misfortune of having to reset all of the traps. So it was it was really just that kind of, it was that idea of, you know, who, who does this work um, that kind of inspired me to, to think of this character. Yeah, like it's someone who would normally be uh, quite a minor two-dimensional character, but you've uh, given them a background and a personality. We haven't really uh, talked about uh, children's poetry on the podcast before. What what do you think makes no. a good children's poem? So I guess it I guess it depends on what age group you're looking at. I think there is 
certainly a massive place for toilet humor for a certain age group you know if you can talk about farts and poos then i think that that goes down a storm i've read my book of children's poetry to various age groups in a local school and certainly the ones the poems that are slightly rude go down very well with the younger kids i think there is also something about having a, a slightly edgy gritty um element to your to your poems that appeals to a slightly a- older age group so i when i wrote this book i was i was very much inspired by roald dahl's revolting rhymes you know which doesn't hold back on the the kind of grittier side of things and i i think that kind of slightly edgy element appeals to the slightly older age group so i i'm i kind of targeted the sort of eight to 12 year olds so there are themes about death and killing in in these poems but they're done in quite a light-hearted way mm. i think with i think with kids poetry probably more so than than other types there needs to be a narrative thread throughout the poem you need to be telling a story that leads people through and often ends with with a punchline so that that I think is quite important, it, you know, that the, the story carries the reader through, that they remain uh, attached and involved in in the poem as it goes through, especially if the poems are slightly longer. And rhyme, you know, I think I think children's poetry gives us the opportunity to use the wonderful tool that is rhyme. We don't, you know, that's not often present in many adults' poetry. For me, I think the storytelling is is the key element. Humor and rhyme yeah uh you mentioned roald dahl uh that influence mm. certainly comes through um mm. are there any other children's writers you've been been inspired by yeah tim burton um so tim burton the the film director he wrote a book of uh, of poetry called uh the, the melancholy death of oyster boy his poems are you know equally kind of gritty and take on some very they, they include some very peculiar characters, which was uh, I found very appealing. Spike Milligan, of course, I can you know I remember reading Spike Milligan poems when I was younger and loving the humour of Spike Milligan. I haven't read much in the way of children's poetry recently, but certainly those three, Tim Burton, Roald Dahl, and, and Spike Milligan, really stand out. I guess Julia Donaldson in in her writing of things like the Gruffalo and stuff you know whilst it's kind of it fills out a whole book is is often rhymed and is poetry I guess. And what what drew you to children's poetry? I hadn't written poetry for a long time I read a a lot of it when I was younger and then I spent many years engrossed in the world of playing and, and music and then probably about two years ago I had a I met up with my aunt who lives in Canada and she's a children's author I talked to her about uh, my desire to want to do something more creative and that I wasn't playing much music and I wasn't doing much in the way of creativity. And she pushed me into trying to write some poetry. And I'd always had this idea, which I think had probably stemmed from an interest when I was younger of the fantasy worlds, Greek, you know, myths kind of and entering the world of uh, Warhammer and all that kind of fantasy lord of the rings hobbit sort of stuff that that kind of love of the fantasy world kind of blossomed again when i had my own children uh, and started reading books with them and uh, looking at what games there might be out there to play with them and 
discovering that world of fantasy again. So I had this idea, I had this kind of burgeoning reacquaintance with the world of, of fantasy, and I had this idea of writing poetry about uh, poetry about fantasy creatures. And so with this push from my aunt and this new interest of, I started um, to write these poems about these creatures that lived in this dungeon. So it wasn't intentional that I was kind of thinking, oh, I want to write a children's book. But these events and these uh, interests kind of merged together and I started writing these poems. And I think they, I think it just, I think it became clear that this was, you know, I think that the children's audience allowed this world to grow. You know, it's a world of uh, fantasy, silliness, dealing with the kind of mundane things that happen in people's lives. And it didn't, you know, the, the, the kind of ha- the openness and interest that children have allowed me to kind of build on this world. Yeah. So, I mean, writing for children just allows you to use your imagination and run wild with it and be silly and, 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 and kind of relive your, the, the things you loved as a child. Yes, and uh, a very satisfying form of writing, um, hopefully for you as much as your audience. And um, yes, um, so uh, you've got a great collection of uh, poems, uh, various weird and wonderful creatures. But uh, just sticking with the dwarf for now, um, was that a particular hard poem to write? I think bits of that one were hard to write. I think so when I I think when I first wrote it I hadn't really developed the character enough so there was a dwarf he was the caretaker he was mending the traps so I think and when I wrote it the the initial draft of it it was there were the the main building blocks of the story but I had to keep going back to it and really padding out the detail around what he looked like, giving him a name, create, you know, uh, really describing the the traps and what he did with them. So it, so it wasn't difficult so much as just a, a process that re- required quite a lot of re- rewriting. And I think that's typical in how I write, that I will roughly sketch out the first drafts and then go back to them and go back to them and keep tweaking bits. And And, and I think it's that rewriting and building on certain elements of the poem that really create the characters and 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 the world that they exist in yeah but i mean i think you know some of the poems just come quite quickly others like the dwarf take a little bit of work yeah and um so you have a process for writing these kind of poems mm. which uh, mm. i think you're going to talk us through so uh, yeah. we can have a go at uh, writing some ourselves yeah yeah. So what I've prepared is a uh, a writing exercise and it's loosely based around the process of generating a character for a Dungeons and Dragons kind of game. So creating a fantasy character that you can then write a poem around. Um, so firstly, what I would like people to do is decide on what your character is. So by that, I mean, is it a specific species? Is it an elf? Is it a dragon? Is it a goblin uh, or, an, or another dwarf? If fantasy isn't your thing, and then you could pick something like a superhero or a sci-fi character. So it doesn't have to be 
these kind of old world mythology characters. But the important thing to pick is is someone or something um, that you can present in a non-typical way. So have a think about a character and that you might be able to show in an unusual and intriguing um, light. So in Dungeon Days, uh, my book of the, my book of children's poetry, um, I have a lot of ca- uh, familiar characters. So I've got there's a Minotaur in there, there's a skeleton, there's a mermaid, a dragon, and each one of those is is kind of presented in a in a different way. You can create your own creature, of course, or character. But the beauty of using familiar ones is that they come with a whole world of assumptions and stories already attached. Um, and, and it's playing with those stories and, and readjusting how people might view these characters that is, uh, is so interesting. So once you've got your character, I want you to think about the appearance of that character. I want you to think about things like gender, age, size. You know, is it, is it a huge ogre? Is it a tiny little wizard, for example? Then create a character's name. All of this builds the picture in the reader's mind, I think. And then have a think about what the character's job, hobby or interests might be. And here again, think about something that is not typically associated with the the genre you're working in. So you might have a milkman, for example, or the prime minister or a goblin train driver you know or you could have a superhero with a very unusual possibly slightly rubbish superpower so sketch the character out uh, and when i say sketch you could either use words or short descriptions or you could even draw the character just start thinking about padding out the, the you know the character there's lots of resources you can obviously use you can use books there's tons of books with all these you know superheroes fantasy characters sci-fi characters you can go online and and look for um inspiration so for example I, there's a poem within my book called the fairies and i wrote that after reading a book called dreams and shadows by c robert cargill and it was in this book that i was introduced to a type of fairy called a red cap and red caps are these evil destructive creatures that get their power from their hats being constantly soaked in blood so that was the fairy i used for the poem and it's not your typical kind of fairy it's not it's not tinkerbell for example so now having done those two bits we can answer what your character is uh, and what he she or it looks like and what is special about it or indeed what is not so special about it then i'd like you to create a short one or two sentence backstory uh you can do this in prose form and I'd like you to think about where the twist in that story comes. There needs to be a different way of looking at the character, something unexpected, something real, tangible and relatable. If you're old enough, go and watch the scene um, from the movie Clarks, where they talk about the um, the construction workers that are on the oh, yeah. Death Star in Return yeah. of the Jedi. You know the one? But they're never shown. That seems very effective because it what it does is it mashes together a fantasy world with a world we all know, you know. So ha- think along those lines. So let's say you're going to write a poem about a goblin who wants to drive the trains on the London Underground. Uh, he loves the tunnels. He's home in the dark, but he's really small. So he can't actually see out of the windows when he's driving the train. So what is it that he does? Uh, and that's for you to work out, you know, work out your your story where it takes you. And then something I would 
do is I'd write down a short plot line, a begin, mid, beginning, middle and end. And I think that's important if you're writing kids stories, as I, as I talked about. So where does your character start? What happens to your character and where does the story end? So, for example, I wrote The Dragon for, for Dundon Days. Um, it starts with the sad death of uh, the old dragon in the dungeon and the theft of all the dun- dungeon treasure. Uh, that leaves the dungeon crew with very little money with which to buy a replacement dragon. Uh, And the story ends with the dungeon crew having to develop an advertisement campaign to convince the world that their tiny little pocket-sized dragon that they've been managed to buy is actually huge and scary and will keep people away from, from their dungeon. So once you have your plan, have a think about your rhyme structure. Absolutely, you can write a poem without rhyme, but we're going to use rhyme here to create movement in the story and humor and also because it's really fun to listen to so decide if you want to use something like rhyming couplets where each rhyme each line rhymes with the one before it so it impairs or you could only have alternating rhyme lines rhyming so the the second and fourth for example rhyme and then the uh, the sixth and eighth line rhyme or you could have a structure like an a b a b c d c d rhyming structure obviously you can adjust this once you start writing and you probably will adjust it as you as you start writing but it's a good idea to have that framework like laid out to go okay you know these are the at the end of each of these lines this is how how i want it to write and then begin writing so you've got your character you've, you know what they're what they look like their interests or hobbies are you've got the story that with a bit of a twist in there uh, and and just start giving it a go one tip that i was given is drop the reader into a scene, start with something that maybe you then need to later explain, but you can land the reader into the middle of a scene. It's exciting and it takes the reader by surprise. So you could start in the middle of a battle. Doesn't have, do not have to explain everything right up front and use lots of adjectives. Help the reader by building up a picture of your character, by describing what they look like, what they sound like, what they're feeling, what they even smell like. So make sure you build uh, a real picture. Yeah, and then enjoy. Write, and 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 I'd be interested to uh, hear what people come up with. Yeah, um, and that uh, might seem like quite a lot, but uh, mm. I think a good thing about it is actually a series of quite simple steps. Yeah. I mean, the first one, anybody can write uh, a list of creatures, and so that breaks the process down and also if you do make sure you come up with a lot of ideas in those early stages if your initial idea doesn't work you can look at your other ideas and try something else um absolutely I certainly, um i certainly had one or two different ideas as i was trying yeah. this um before i found the uh Thing, uh before I got to the uh, final poem yeah and yeah I'd say um I was influenced both by this uh process but also mm. by my audience I have a couple of nieces and they've recently uh moved to down to the coast and the mm-hmm. old one in particular uh is enjoying going down to the beach and collecting mm-hmm. shells Mm-hmm. Um, so that um, kind of guided me on the, the kind of uh, poem which I ended up writing. Okay. Um, so um, this was my attempt. It's called Shelley's Shell. Shelley was a crab. Her shell was red and brown. 
Sherry never could sit still. She loved to run around. Over rocks, across the sand, through the sea and over land. Oh, how Sherry ran and ran. But her shell was heavy. It weighed her down like lead. When she slowed, the fish would laugh and dart about her head. I'll show them, said Sherry. I will never stop. I know that I can do it. I will reach the top. So Shelley kept on running, let nothing bar her way, training to be ready for the sea sports day. There was much excitement when the day arrived. Many creatures gathered from oceans far and wide. Colin Clownfish and Ellie Eel were fighting for first place, while Sammy Stingray had no doubt it would be his race. Shelley joined the others, waiting at the start. She knew that she could beat them, believed with all her heart. First around the old shipwreck would win the golden conch, the loveliest shell you ever saw, how brilliantly it shone. All was quiet when Lenny Lobster fired the starting gun, and as the crowd went wild, Shelley began to run. But the fish were faster, it seemed there was no way that little Shelley could catch up. It wouldn't be her day. But Shelley was determined. She pushed and squeezed until her body and her legs were free and she climbed out of her shell. Now that she was lighter, she took off at great speed. Colin Clownfish turned his head and cried, what could that be? Ellie Eel was doing well, but then she had a shock as Shelley overtook her and left her tied in knots. Sammy Stingray in the lead thought victory was in hand, but Shelley shot right past him in a cloud of sand. Then she saw the finish line a hundred yards ahead and all the crowd began to roar as onward Shelley sped. Shelley crossed the finish line. Victory was hers. She received the golden conch amid great whoops and cheers. But as the cheering faded, Shelley looked around. What happened to my shell, she cried, but it was nowhere to be found. What shall I do, poor Shelley sobbed. I've got nothing to wear. After her big moment, she felt quite numb and bare. But then she saw the golden conch gleaming in the light. It was the most tremendous shell. She took a look inside. Oh, what a perfect fit, she said. It's really rather grand. And then she put her legs out and scuttled across the sand. And that's how Shelley came to dwell in other creatures' empty shells. She's so speedy, she can dash from shell to shell in a flash. She is a most amazing creature. If you go to the seaside, perhaps you'll meet her. Amazing. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. What a, that's a, yeah, incredible. Thank that's you. Re really, really good. It's so long and the story's excellent. Love it. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for the um, inspiration. Um, and uh, my niece enjoyed it as well. Did she? Uh, <laughs> really yeah. good yeah i mean you could you can totally see that being supported by illustrations i think excellent and animals is a 
it, I didn't mention animals uh, in the prompt, but obviously animals are, you know, you could use in place of, of, of the, the fantasy characters or superheroes. I think it's, how, how did you find writing in rhyme? Um, and there were points where it was hard to work out how you're going to make things rhyme, but um, mm. I guess it, it makes you look closer at the story and what words you're using. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it's, uh, it's a good challenge. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, excellent. I, I'm, I'm chuffed. I think that's, that's really good. Well, um, uh, you mentioned you've got a book of these poems, so it would be mm. nice to hear one or two more. Yeah, okay. Well, um, kind of keeping along the lines of sports, I'll read you The Skeleton, because that's a poem I wrote about the, the sports day that the dungeon creatures have. Okay, so this is called The Skeleton. Every year in the month of May, the dungeon holds a sporting day. 206 events for fun and skeleton bobs in every one. The track is lined with his fingers and toes. His ribs are used as archery bows. The discus is his pelvis bone. In the javelin, his spine is thrown. The fencing swords come from his thigh. Over his femur, high jumpers fly. His skull is tossed and kicked and twirled the most useful remains in the whole wide world. But once the final whistle's blown and the creatures start to head off home, there still is left one vital job to collect the pieces and rebuild poor Bob. <laughs> That's uh, great, very uh, imaginative. Yeah, so um, what uh, stage are you with the collection? So I am, uh, so it's, it's finished. And I am currently working with a illustrator. He has come up with uh, illustrations for nearly all of the, the poems now. Uh, amazing illustrations. And I'm working with him and a graphic designer to produce some prototypes of um, some of the poems uh, in, in what, what would, you know, a, a kind of full layout of illustrations and all all the words fitting with the with the pictures uh, nicely. Um, once that's completed, we'll start um, uh, approaching publishers. So, you know, I would love to see it, uh, the book published. So it's it, it, once we've got to the stage where we're, we're happy with how it looks, we'll we'll start taking it out. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, Thanks. How is, it, uh, how is it working with an illustrator? It's it's wonderful seeing. I, it, you know, it, 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 really, it really adds to the world seeing the illustrations, but it also, it's also a really, um, it's really reassuring that you are getting your message or you're, you're getting the characters across when somebody reads your poem and comes up with an illustration and it fits with, with what you were hoping. You think actually, yeah, you know, oh, I've done a, a decent job here. If somebody can read it and come up with a uh, an illustration that reflects what's in your head, so yeah, it's 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 a really it's a really exciting process. Yeah, and it's just yeah. it's just wonderful seeing the world being created, really. And is this the first book you've produced? This is my, the first book I've written. I am currently 
in the middle of a um, crowdfunder campaign for a book of haiku which are Japanese poetry that I during lockdown I, I worked with another poet and we worked with prisoners in two prisons in the southwest supporting them to write haiku so we're this will be the the haiku book which is called pen and corrections uh, will be the first book that I have produced but it's not my poetry it's the poetry of nine prisoners currently serving prisoners so that'll probably be the first book that comes out I'm that will come out before Dungeon Days but Dungeon Days is the first book I finished writing um yeah sounds uh, an amazing project with the uh, prisoners how did that come about yeah. that came about out of again another idea I just a little idea I had of um so I I, I work in the drug and alcohol treatment field as my day job and I I've always ha- had this idea of wanting to do something creative with the people that I that I work with, and I had a a, re- a fairly recent kind of introduction and uh, love of haiku, and had quite a few published, uh, which is is great. Um, and I I thought it would be a great idea to work with people in recovery from drug and alcohol problems um, in, in writing haiku. And then I heard a podcast with a poet called David Breakspear. And I, he had spent many years in prison. And so I reached out to him and uh, on Instagram and just said, I've got this idea about writing poetry with people with drug and alcohol problems, but maybe it would work with people in prison. And he said, yeah, that would be a great idea. So it kind of took off from there. It was just, it was just a opportune moment reaching out. Then we spoke to um, several prisons in the Southwest and they thought it was a good idea. And then it just kind of snowballed from there, sending haiku lessons to people via email um, through the prison officers um, collecting their work back in commenting commenting on it um, and then compiling a um, a book which is now on crowdfunder so if you go to pen and corrections on crowdfunder.com you can see uh, the book there so that that was launched on tuesday and we've already hit our uh, we had a goal of 600 pounds which will allow us to publish the book but also any profits are going to be given to donated to two charities children heard and seen and storybook dads both of which look after the children of prisoners um so it's a, the kind of circle is complete then yeah so wonderful project that just came out of uh, reaching out to to david Excellent. Um, yeah, and uh, you can uh, share all these uh, details uh, on the uh, website, poetrynonstop.com. And um, good luck with the children's book. It's uh, thank you to uh, have a chance to read those poems. I hope that many more people get to read them as well. Yeah, I've got another one to finish with. Yes, I'm going uh, to read you one of the first ones I wrote called The Minotaur. This afternoon, I got so scared. I couldn't keep on eating. My food got cold. I sat and stared. My heart was thunderous beating. What was this thing that got me shook? What was it that I saw? It was a hideous monster cook, a lunchroom minotaur. I'd always thought the tales were lies. I didn't think them real until I saw with my own eyes a man bull cook a meal. A giant ring hung from his nose two horns upon his head, a coat of fur in place of clothes, no shoes, two hooves instead. The cook we had before the bull, well, she was really great. 
Her top cuisine would keep me full, no crumb left on my plate. But now she's gone, just disappeared, vanished without a clue. Our lovely cook, it's thought and feared, was served up in the stew. Now lunchtimes each and every day are just so awfully sad. Everyone is too scared to say this food is really bad. The chips, they are as hard as nails. The pie tastes like a drain. The gravy's like the slime of snails. But who would dare complain? They need someone who will be strong. A brave soul who will try to stand and fight this food-based wrong. Me? Oh no, I wouldn't dare, not I. Facing the beast is not for me, for I am but a gnome. But I can't sort this out, you'll see. I'll bring my food from home. My lunch once more, I will adore. I'll eat it in my cave. Never to see that minotaur. I'd far sooner be full than brave. That was Ted Sherman. Look out for his collection Dungeon Days, or if you're a publisher, reach out so we can all enjoy more of his poetry. You can find out more about Ted on the website poetrynonstop.com, along with the details of his writing exercise. I think whatever you like to write and whatever level you're at, it's a great one to try. And do send your poems in to be featured on the website or podcast. You can send them via the website or mail them via poetrynonstop at gmail.com. I'll be back with more poetry soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening and keep writing.